0: Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the film review podcast, where good taste and bad taste are mixed with a sound effect that William will insert here. <coughs> Wonderful job. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks uh, for giving me more work. My <laughs> I'm not going to prompt more. I, okay. I could do that, and right. I've done it in the past. You I'm have? It, it was it. very annoying. Uh, terribly sorry. sorry. My name is Whitney Seibold. I'm the annoying one. <laughs> uh, I'm a film critic. I contribute to Slash Film. Uh, with me, as always, is my far more intelligent, talented, and interesting co-host, William Introduce yourself uh,
1: My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for The Wrap uh, I am also the annoying one And everybody calls me Bibs uh, We we have some catching up to do On this week's episode of Critically Claimed We missed last week uh, Whitney had to go out of town for a little bit it's Out of town, I have,
0: other circumstances, personal uh, reasons I, I have time. had
1: uh, personal crises That have just been completely... Addling my brain. So uh we're 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 excited to be back at it and we're excited to talk about some movies. We're gonna play a little catch-up and also talk about some new stuff. This week, Uncritically acclaimed, we are reviewing Madam Webb, we are reviewing uh the uh coming-of-age drama Suncoast, uh the shudder horror film Skeletons in the Closet, uh the Bob Marley uh biopic one love. To, and, it's called bob
0: marley colon one love mm-hmm. That's and the full time and the lisa frankenstein biopic lisa frankenstein uh, which is called lisa frankenstein colon one love yes <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: yes uh, but uh and, and also and also and we're going to do a special episode about this uh separately uh as of this week you can find the academy award nominated oscar shorts that's right. The best live action short nominees, the best animated short nominees, the best documentary short nominees. We typically do those on the critically acclaimed proper, but they tend to take up like a lot of space. So we're going to do a special episode just for them later in the week. Uh, and
0: it's 15 movies. Yeah, that's and then that's a short lot, lot movies, of ground but, to cover. But
1: it's a lot of ground to cover, and they deserve their own. Because for many years, those were sh- the short films at the Oscars were the films that people watched and went, Huh? But they deserve their time in the limelight, too. You can seek them out and find them. They are showing theatrically. We'll do a review, but that'll be a a separate thing. Um, But we're just going to jump right in, because the only movie that you and I both saw this week that we're covering on this show
0: Mm. is a little film called Madame Web. It's uh, the latest film from Luis Buñuel. Mm-hmm. the, the Earrings of Madame Web. from <laughs> <laughs> a M- Marcel Othel's film. Uh, no, this is uh, the latest Spider-Man adjacent film from the Sony universe. Mm-hmm. Or Spunk, as they've been calling it. Um, no. Yeah. What? Spider-Man uh, Spider- Spider- Marvel... UMC. Uh, Sp- Sp- yeah, the, like... the,
1: the Spider-Man...
0: Unlimit- Spider-Man Unlimited, Marvel Canon, or well, I forgot what it is, but S-P-U-M-Z, Spider- S- S- Spunk. Spider-Man is the- Universe, yeah. Marvel Cinematic. Uh, yeah, so Sony yeah. Pictures owns uh, the the motion picture rights to Spider-Man and all of the like hundreds and hundreds of adjo- directly adjoining characters to Spider-Man.
1: Right, which which uh, is which is to be fair, a pretty sizable catalog of characters who, by I th- I guess legal definition are supporting characters to Spider-Man and and typically don't sort of headline their own shit. Uh. Venom is an exception there. Uh, But, yeah, Sony... It's a a weird situation, and we're going to go back in time real, real fast. Um, Before the days when anyone thought a cinematic universe would even be feasible, a comic book company, unless it was like owned by Warner Brothers, which happened a little sooner, but a comic book company like Marvel if a studio is interested in their superhero, they're like, fine, take it. I don't care. Yeah, it's they, never going to
0: cross over. They, they, could, they couldn't make any money uh, off of superhero properties. They just weren't popular for a long time. No, in um, fact, Marvel actually had to declare bankruptcy in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, and so in order to keep the lights on, they were mm-hmm. just sort of selling their, the movie rights to their characters for songs. Yeah. Uh, there was a really famous deal with artisan entertainment, if you yeah. recall the, the company yeah. that put out like pie and all these little, uh, independent movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sold out, like, this big pile of their characters, I think, mm-hmm. and that's when they sold out Captain America and Thor, mm-hmm. Deadpool, Longshot, was it part of that deal? <laughs> I don't Longshot, if, but... if you remember the character of, I think it's yeah. an X-Men character, but, um, yeah, a lot of these characters, like, were put on the table at artisan entertainment, and it I, wasn't I think deal. it was even
1: Venom, but not Spider-Man. Exactly. You can do a Venom movie without Spider-Man, and everyone's like, how could you do a Venom movie that's unconnected to Spider-Man? And I'm like, I don't know, apparently you can make a lot of money at it. There have been two of those Venom movies from Sony. Studio executives who bought the rights to Venom without Spider-Man, you were right, I was wrong. I'll admit that. (laughs) It it was a winning
0: move. I'm not going to pretend you didn't make money on that. Um, yeah, that that was in around 2000. Mm-hmm. That was after um, Fox was already working on um, like X Men and well, Fox had, had, had X Men for a while. That had been New, new Line now. Cinema had put out the movie Blade. These were all based mm-hmm. on Marvel characters. Yeah, uh, were this is all a prelude to that 15 year period when Marvel comics were ascendant and just yeah. dominating all of popular culture.
1: But there's still, even though. Uh, Initially, Paramount was working with Marvel, and then by around the time Avengers came out, Disney had acquired them, and they Mm. bought Fox, so they got all of those properties that Fox had back, like uh, uh, Daredevil, the Fantastic Four, Mm. uh, and of course, all the X-Men, and... Yet, even though the Disney Octopus is very, very powerful, there's a few studios that still technically have the rights to a couple of these characters, and they know that they're worth a lot of money, Mm -hmm. and they're not just going to give them back to Marvel, no matter how much the fans ask, which is a weird thing to ask. Uh, Universal still technically owns the rights to make solo uh, Incredible Incredible Hulk Hulk movies. movies, So the only way Marvel could do another Hulk movie... Is to share their money with Universal, which they're not going to do. But they have entered into an arrangement wherein the Hulk can be a supporting L- character. Can,
0: can like be leased for supporting characters? I'm yeah. not a
1: hundred percent sure if it's the exact same deal, but it's my understanding that technically Universal still has or had until very recently uh, the rights to the Submariner, aka Namor. Oh, yeah. uh, who, who was did, in the, Black Panther? Who was in Black Panther too? Yeah, so they finally uh, managed to work out some sort of arrangement there. But Sony, which was the first studio to have a mega hit with a Marvel comic book character, Blade did well. X Men did quite well. Spider Man was a monster. Spider-Man was, Mm. I think, was the biggest opening weekend of all time. It was a huge success. And those first three movies made tons of money. Even the third one that people don't like, I believe, technically made more money than Batman v Superman at the box Mm. office. It was still very popular. So... This is why Spider-Man couldn't join the MCU for a really long time, and they finally entered into an arrangement when the Amazing Spider-Man movies didn't turn out that amazing, and now here we are. But, although Spider-Man is part of the MCU, Marvel doesn't have the rights to those characters. Sony still does, and part of their deal is they can put out, you know, with Marvel, a live-action Spider-Man movie. But they can make all the Craven the Hunter movies they want. <laughs>
0: they own all those characters. They so can yeah, do they, all uh,
1: the rocket racers, I assume. I don't know
0: exactly which characters so, um, they own. And I'm not sure how... Big wheel? Pfft, I'm not exactly done. sure how uh, Marvel decides to cordon off their characters. These are the Spider-Man characters. These are the X-Men characters. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Because there's a lot of crossover in those worlds. but um, it, it is weird. I remember
1: when they... The, uh, uh, they were trying to uh, get an arrangement to do uh ego the living planet the main bad guy from Guardians of the Galaxy volume 2 mm-hmm. was technically part of the Fantastic 4 umbrella so Fox owned them okay and Marvel entered into an arrangement and they said like okay fine you can use i think you can use quicksilver or something in your X-Men movies All but right. we want ego the living planet and yeah. they're like fine. Do you know something we don't know? (laughs) What the hell? Uh, Sure, take Ego, the living planet. It's not like
0: that's going to make a billion dollars. Anyway. Point is that... Marvel was leasing all of these things, and they were turning a lot of, uh, even obscure characters into big hits. Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, is a good, pretty uh, good ob- example of e- Even when uh, it first
1: came out, Iron Man was considered a pretty... He was a C-list character.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: foundational
0: to the Marvel yeah. Comics universe, but it was, wasn't moving mountains. It yeah, wasn't a yeah, household um, name. I, I was astonished when people became interested in, in Thor and Captain America, because yeah. those were staggeringly unpopular when I was reading comics, you know. Several decades. Ago. I never really thought it was uh,
1: unpopular, but they were just kind of like they'd been there for forever, and we kind of yeah, took them for granted. Like there was there was good runs. I liked kind of kind those limp. I, I, but, there know. were
0: only a few people I knew who like actively read those comics, and they were kind of embarrassed about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Marvel took these things, turned them into movies, made them big hits, uh, and it lasted a while. Uh, <laughs> to, Still technically to, going. Yeah, we, we had to we had to wade through that for a long time. Well, uh, it 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 sprouted out into this. Forest of movies. Yeah. Then you have several movies every year, and this was all uh, cinema journalism could talk about. That was the thing uh, that made
1: it feel oppressive. It wasn't just that there are a bunch of movies coming out. Like, fine, great, I don't care. But like. The the we have to constantly talk about it. Yeah, yeah. was just uh, every, every preview was, was, was like it was like
0: a month of, of journalism, this journalist suck- cycle. Oh God, I've had to write and, uh, so
1: many fucking articles about such bullshit minutiae that
0: doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and and a lot of it is speculation. Yeah. What's going to be in the next one? Yeah. Because that's the way the movies were constructed. Yeah, Each were all was a preview pre- preview yeah. for the next one, and um, and it's over now. <laughs> we're done we're 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 on the descending slope
1: it does feel like Uh, like it's all downhill now but the 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 thing is is that marvel for a variety of reasons has pulled back a bit on their production they only have one new movie coming out next year deadpool unless they Mm.
0: bump something up but i don't i don't i don't think they did um I think Dune is a Marvel as well, something Might like well that. Be. They're all, they're it, all together. It, it, it Would really part of the shock you if like
1: because they, <laughs> they're in desert. space. They like fly out there. There's a celestial setup, you know. Like <laughs> it's all it's all the Eternals. It's fine. Um, but uh... where was it going? with This, but uh... so yeah. So it's it's it is what it is. But Sony can still do whatever the fuck they want. And Sony has several movies coming out this year including *Craven: the Hunter. And the first is a film called Madam Web, uh which is based on a comics character uh who was an old woman who uh was who couldn't see
0: but she could see the future. Uh I I know so I've read Spider-Man comics. Oh, yeah. I don't know anything about Madam Web. Madam but... Web wasn't That big a deal in the comics in in her day. She was kind of a big
1: deal. She was kind of a big deal because they brought her into the Spider-Man animated series that was very popular in the 1990s. Okay. And I think a lot of people remember her from that. But in the comics, she was kind of an interesting side character. They brought her back a few times, but it wasn't like, she's like really important to Spider-Man. There are a lot of Spider-Man-adjacent spider characters, specifically. There's more than one spider woman. Yeah. There's a spider girl. There's a Ranya. Um And I think their idea would be, we're going to introduce Madam Web as sort of the Professor X type to all of these younger spider heroes. Mm. And that's... That's the pitch. It's going to be a whole bunch of Spider Women, in 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 our cinematic universe, the Sony's, the the, the skamunk, whatever they call it, um, <laughs> the skamunk. I don't know. Uh, and yet, weirdly, the movie we got is a prequel to that. It's not it's- even that movie. <laughs> It's it's that's okay. a weird
0: choice. Why do you do that? It's it's yeah. It's a it's a an, an origin story to an origin story. Yeah, uh, that's the way it's constructed because it's about the future. Uh, I like to see this movie as because um, Spider Man is in this movie as well. Uh, Sort of There's a guy In a spider suit With spider powers Who climbs on walls It's Spider-Man He's an Uh, evil Spider-Man He's an evil Spider-Man But but he's a Spider-Man I'll let it go Uh, And his name is Victor Drago It's Ezekiel uh, Sims Ezekiel Sims Yeah Yeah. Some villain sounding name Yeah Uh, Ezekiel Sims Get a
1: super villain Name Ezekiel What do you do There's so many spiders there's so many spiders. The, the recluse sounds kind of <laughs> sounds kind of vaguely sinister, the, doesn't yeah, it? Call um, yourself something like that. What are you doing?
0: But uh, you had all these the, years. The, the villain Ezekiel Sims. Uh, he's gotten superpowers from a, a mystical spider bite. In terms, yeah. it's not radioactive in this version. It's just a, the venom of a particular yeah. spider. It, it may or may uh, not be magic, but it is and, uh, naturally occurring in the wild. He fashioned a Spider-Man yeah. suit after uh, the uh, uh, people who live deep in the Amazon, who also have these spidery yeah. powers. Uh, And he uh, has a a spider sense, but he doesn't just sense danger. He can see the future. Yeah, like uh, spiders can. He's clairvoyant. Spiders can see the future, and so he can see the future. You know, it's a well-known fact that spiders can see, the, see future. the future they they yeah. know what they know the book that's gonna smush them but the and thing, they live in constant fear but
1: the thing, uh, you know it's always the book with your name on it
0: <laughs> oh no <laughs> King of the, <laughs> kingdom of the spiders <laughs> good night <No. laughs> Charlotte squish um,
1: uh, but here's the thing he he found that spider <laughs> with I uh, Yes, she's an entomologist but there was an American woman in the Peruvian jungle yeah. uh she was looking for this magical spider not nine months pregnant nine months pregnant which the move it, to be fair is a plot point that she mm-hmm. should not have been doing that uh they they do explain that uh but when she's like, "Hey, I found the super spider," and Ezekiel sounds like, "Great, I'm gonna kill everyone here."
0: Shoot, shoots everybody, shoots her. Yeah. Steals the spider, but she uh, she's rescued by the spider people you know, that while we she's dying. About, yeah. yeah, she's rescued by the spider people. They give her a mystical spider bite, but it's too late for her. Yeah. But some spider powers leak into the baby, and that's Madame yeah. Web. So, but all uh, she
1: gets, she doesn't get the cool wall crawling. She doesn't mm. get the super strength. She just gets to see the future in her 30s. Because it doesn't activate until she has a near-death experience. She's now played by Dakota Johnson. uh, And she is an EMT, Mm -hmm. uh, emergency medical technician, uh, riding in an ambulance with With Ben Parker. (laughs) Spider-Man's Uncle Ben. They never explicitly say Mm -hmm. that this is the Tom Holland Uncle Ben. Because we don't see Marissa Tomei, we don't see no, anything that like, fact, directly um, connects.
0: The, he has a sister who's mm. pregnant, so mm. we we know that Peter Parker's on his way. I didn't put that together at all while I was watching what? this movie. How? That, that the baby was supposed to be Spider-Man.
1: There's literally a whole scene where they're talking about, oh, everyone guess what the baby's going to be called, and everyone in the audience is like, it's Peter. It's no, Peter. I, Say I,
0: Peter! I, I, didn't, I didn't think that at all. I didn't think that yeah. was supposed to be Peter. It, it, I, it, it was. It was. It, I well, I get that now. Yeah. Like I, like after I saw the movie, it's like yeah. oh wait that oh shoot that was spo- the baby and, was supposed to. Be and she Spider-Man. also talks about um, how th-
1: this is not spoiler shit. This is all just nothing to no, the movie. No, no, no. But she's also talking about oh like but we don't see her husband and it's like oh yeah no he's he's away at work and if you remember the comics he was a secret agent.
0: Yes. Oh, I,
1: I canonically Spider Man's dad was a secret agent working for Shield.
0: I didn't put that together. That uh, was a uh, thing. I think her, mom, yeah, I think her uh, mom was
1: too. But um.
0: Point being. Yeah. You know, all of that shit is irrelevant. Yeah. All of this connection to Spider-Man, I don't care. Um, you could remove all the Spider-Man uh, stuff and still have well, a superhero here's, here's movie the, the early two thousand, I wasn't even paying attention to the Spider-Man yeah. stuff. So I didn't even pick up on the Spider-Man stuff. I'm just watching the movie for Madame Webb. Yeah. Because that's the character we're following. The Dakota yeah. Johnson character. out of respect. Um, she's ha- uh, Ezekiel don't... Sims has had a, a vision <laughs> of being murdered by three Spider-Women. Yes. Uh, in their Spider-Woman costumes, they have superpowers in yes. his vision. And he says, these women are going to come kill me someday. I have to find them and kill them first when they're younger. Mm. They're currently teenagers, so this, right. they haven't found their powers yet. They're
1: they not haven't even spi- met yet. They haven't
0: met yet. Yeah. Uh, one of them is Sydney Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me look at the other. Uh, that Isabella Merced. Isabella Merced. And, and I forget who the other um, one Celeste is. Celeste Connor. Celeste Connor. yeah. Celeste Connor plays yeah. uh, Maddie Franklin. Mm. Um, Sydney Sweeney plays not Jessica Drew. No, it's the um, I think it's
1: not Jessica like no, it's not Jessica Walter. That's an actor. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: they play a different Spider-Man. Uh, Julia Cornwall. Yeah. And these are all and uh and Isabella Merced plays Anya Corazon. Uh,
1: yeah, the, I, are, was, I think was it was around the, y- And y- those yeah. are all Yeah. Spider-Man. These are all characters, characters from the uh, comics. But, uh, Dakota uh, Johnson to, sees a vision of those girls being yeah, she, murdered. She falls
0: off a bridge. She's Yeah. That kickstarts starts her Clairvoyance powers, and so she has a vision of the the young girls being murdered. Now she mm. has to find them and kind of become like kidnap them, but also become their mother. Yeah, because by sheer coincidence, kind of they're
1: all they all have absentee parents.
0: Yeah, pretty fucking convenient. Like, like they're actually. kidnapped, It's like we, we don't have to go home. Nobody's really looking after us right now. Yeah. We can just be on the lam yeah. with with Madame Webb. Yeah, uh, and and I all of the scenes of. Madam Webb mm-hmm. with the three teenagers who they're all 26, but whatever. Yeah, right, right, um, you would just accept that in movies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, fine. They're teenagers. Yeah. Uh, all of the scenes of them together have this really weird slumber party vibe. Yeah. Like they're really enjoying each other's company. Yeah. And they're kind of just hanging out. Yeah.
1: I, I have, like that part. I like
0: that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's pretty fun. There, there's
1: an interesting thing in this movie. because So basically the movie is they're on the run from this guy. He keeps showing up to try mm-hmm. to kill him. Dakota Johnson saves them. Repeat, repeat, repeat until we stop the bad guy. That's mm-hmm. the whole movie. Um, it's a little lo-fi. It's way too much setup for to get where we're going. But once we do, yeah, fine. That's... The the thing is is that those three teenagers are something that I don't think we see enough of in movies... Which is teenagers, hmm. not adults who happen to like be fifteen. S- according to your Super genius yeah, teenagers, like, They're no, just no. teens. And
0: some one of them is really afraid. One of them is yeah. really caustic. Yeah, uh, and the other one's kind of like a brain. Yeah, th- they have personality.
1: There, there's a moment where uh, uh, Dakota Johnson has to basically leave, leave them, them alone in the woods. In the woods. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I can't take <laughs> you with me. They'll be killed by it's a spider just guy. Hilariously just hilariously irresponsible. Stay here in the woods. And she just says, "You know what? The only advice she gives them: don't do dumb things."
0: That's yeah, an actual line job, in the Mom, movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's the first thing they do because they're teenagers. Mm. They're irresponsible. They don't. They're not thinking out the consequences. To just see some messy teenagers, mm. I, I should be annoyed because technically the plot is being driven by characters doing unintelligent or illogical things. I'm not because they're. Teenagers,
0: they're teenagers, and uh, Dakota Johnson is actually really skilled at making this Madame Web character in into somebody who's clearly in over her head. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what's going on. Uh, there are far too many superhero movies where somebody discovers they have superpowers and they get comfortable with it right away. Yeah, like they oh, I'll just you'll learn how to backflip. Mm-hmm. There's and there's, there's always a, that. the quick training montage, there's and a montage, and yeah, yeah they, they figure it yeah. out. That's and uh, yeah. The good ones and the bad ones have that sequence. Yeah. Sometimes I really like that sequence. Sometimes, um,
1: sometimes you just want to get to the good stuff. You, yeah. you don't always want to see the development. Sometimes you mm. do want to skim through it. I understand. Uh,
0: that. I, I liked that uh, Madame Web had these superpowers, understood that there was a bad guy afoot, and didn't have a plan. Uh-huh. She was just figuring stuff out as she went on, it. and that was that was weirdly like comforting i kind of like that element of it here's the thing with this movie a lot
1: of people are saying that this movie is really really bad and you know what you have an argument oh but i've also heard people say this is the worst superhero ever made this is the worst movie i've ever seen Mm. uh i I actually Mm. counted because i was like how low on the because i'm not saying it's a good movie per se but i did enjoy it Mm. How many superhero movies can I think of that I would actually be able to argue, whether or not you agree with me, I think I could form a cogent argument Uh that these movies are worse than Madam
0: Webb? oh there's so many name. I, I, I got Off the to top about of my head. superhero yeah. movies just, super, just, I got just to MCU
1: a, movies I, I got do. to about 70 <laughs> there's a lot of shit out there there's also some movies other people like that I think are really terrible so mm. there was always your mileage will vary but like I have seen so much worse but I will say this for this movie it feels like studio notes in search of a point
0: yeah, uh, there's a lot of that stuff. The, 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 the editing is sloppy. Oh, yeah. There's there's a sequence where uh, Madame Webb goes back to the Amazon like in an afternoon oh, and yeah. it makes it back to New York. And she's like, well, a you're wanted woman right you know, now, like, by the
1: way. So it's like, so how did there's, you there's, get on a plane? It's, it's set in 2004. A, it's right after 9-11. How did you get
0: on a plane? There's a lot of really sloppy crap like that yeah. in this movie. It's like... yeah. Draft after draft. I think there's like seven yeah. credited screenwriters. There, it's it's a big mess. There's
1: this really annoying thing. There's the one thing in the movie that really bugs me is when she starts getting her superpowers, she has a vision of one of her co-workers dying. Mm. And naturally, when, when she's able to figure out that this is some kind of vision, uh, she's like, oh, I have to pre- try to prevent him from dying. And so she tries to say like, hey, why don't I drive the truck instead of you? Mm. And... Because she delayed him, that's what caused the accident because there was a car like flew through a red Mm. light right then. So I'm watching this and I'm saying to myself, this is the movie telling us that the future cannot be changed. And then literally the whole point of the rest of the movie is that it can. And I'm like, Mm. you didn't set that up you set up the opposite of that you broke well, your
0: own rules and you only had one rule uh, and <laughs> that's annoying i don't here, I didn't but, care for that here here's a, a point in the movie and this is kind of where i started out um, we we have this bad guy who's trying to kill these three teenage girls <clears throat> yeah because they're going to be spider women yeah and they're going to kill him yeah all right yeah He's, it's an unusual situation, but I can see a, where you're coming from. He's, yeah. he's got a, a computer expert at a desk who doesn't ever leave that desk and mm-hmm. has technology not quite available in 2004. It, it's literally uh,
1: the technology they use at the end of the dark Knight. Yeah. It's literally
0: <laughs> the same tech. It's hilarious. Uh, and, and I, I wish they had rolled with the retro tech a little bit more. It's like, Oh, mm-hmm. I can't really scan. We don't have that kind of technology yet, yeah. but I can do this. Like, uh, nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, So if you were to take Ezekiel Sims as a villain, as a guy who needs Spider-Man to persist instead of Spider-Women, and he's going to go out of his way to make sure that there's no women in superhero movies, (laughs) (laughs) because he sees the inevitable coming, that Spider-Men are going to be murdered, and the future is Spider-Female. Whitney, Uh,
1: Whitney, could you please write this article? I've already written it. Okay, good. It's it's
0: on Slashville. Okay, good. Good, yeah, it's, I'm going to link to that when we It's called done. The Spider Future Spider Female, and uh, yeah, that, which I think is the theme of the movie. <laughs> that, that's a good title, by the way.
1: Um, I will, I, something about Dakota Johnson is really interesting, because I actually like her as an actor. She's like mm. a lot of younger actors who find celebrity early she really on. She's
0: really good in, um, what was it, The Lost Girl, the, the Maggie Gyllenhaal movie? Oh, yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, 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 yeah She's really good in that one. Was it The Lost Girl? No, what was that one called? Um, oh. Maggie Gyllenhaal directed it. Oh, yeah, um, that movie's
1: great. I, I am blanking on the title, though. Um, no, she's a really, really talented actor. But like a lot of really talented younger actors, um, a lot of the roles, like the breakout yeah. roles for younger actors, the, not the lost be, girl, the lost daughter. Excuse the, I, me, we that were close. The, time, the yeah. lost daughter, great movie. Um, a lot of the roles that are available, like starring roles for younger people, for the last like twenty years or so, have been a lot of like uh, YA or other kind of pop culture adaptations, and it can be difficult to. Break out of what some people love and other people and and like want to typecast you as, and what other people roll their eyes at. Look at the difficulty that like Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson had mm. before they were finally sort of accepted as great actors, which they are, by audiences on mass. They're always they always had their fans, but mm. they it took them a while to not be the Twilight people. Uh, that can be very difficult to do. To go to Johnson. Got her, I don't know if it was like her big break or everything, but it became like a household name because of the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. Yeah. Which are.
0: Well, she was in the social network before that. Yeah, but it was
1: a small role, though. That's true. It was she, small, in, she only had one scene. Yeah, Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey was like her big starring breakout franchise. It was a huge hit, it made a lot of money. They're not good. Like, they're not good movies they're they're kind of entertaining to watch I suppose but they get a lot of things wrong about the subjects they are trying to tackle and bring into the mainstream and that's very frustrating and also they're, they're pretty <laughs> awful they're plotted really really badly the characters make mm. decisions that make no sense for those characters like it, it's not good so I appreciate her trying to like you know, Do other things, maybe become associated with another franchise that worked for Harrison Ford. He's one of the only actors to come out of uh, Mm. Star Wars as a huge star afterwards, as opposed to just, you know, a hardworking actor like Mark Hamill or or, uh, Carrie Fisher found more success in writing than anything else. But Harrison Ford, boom. Indiana Jones, great. He's established as a movie star, not just Han Solo. Weirdly... The character of Madam Web's, like, main bullet point, like, I don't know if this is true, but I wouldn't be shocked if the director, when talking to Dakota Johnson, said, here's the thing with Madam Web, she always doesn't want to be here. <laughs> There's no situation in which she's saying to herself, I wouldn't rather be at home. Hmm. Like, I she even says, I'd rather be watching American Idol, like, during a big plot point. Like can you give the character this vibe like you really didn't want to come to work today? And Dakota Johnson was like, oh, I can play that. (laughs) Because Dakota Johnson, I don't know if this is intentional, I don't know if it's an accident, but it really does feel like Dakota Johnson had no faith in the project and somehow that made her character funnier.
0: More more endearing. I
1: actually kind of like her because of how oddly detached she is from this movie. Because here's the thing, (laughs) Madam Webb. Is a, like all superhero movies, almost all superhero movies, are fundamentally kind of ridiculous. Like, it's yeah, there's yeah. a lot of silliness just baked into it. And there's so many superhero movies that try to deal with their silliness in one of two ways. You either try to take it really seriously, like a lot of the more recent Batman movies, hmm. or Man of Steel. Or you try to comment on it and basically say, "Look, we know. Kind of lampshaded, yeah. A we're bit, yeah. sorry. We know it's ridiculous that these guys have, like every time a Marvel character is referred to by their superhero name, they have to call attention to it. Like it's one of their only jokes now. But yeah, it's like yeah. you've done this like thirty movies. We get. We don't care anymore.
0: We 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 don't care. Mm. <laughs> it's fine. She She Hulk. You know to make a thing out of it. Um, like we're supposed to." Uh... It's really frustrating. We're supposed to accept that this is an altered universe now. because mm-hmm. This is 15 years worth of movies. Right. Uh, too much has happened for this to be the normal world anymore. Too many superheroes, too many killer aliens. Yeah. Half of the universe was blinked out of existence for five bloody years. And we, not just the main characters, yeah. like literally civilians. We, we, we can't go you know? back now. Yeah. So we're supposed to accept that this is a fantastic universe, but we're still snickering at the names? It's yeah. It's like, no. Because well, we, like, the thing is, is that most movies, even fantastical
1: movies, and there are exceptions to this, Things are normal, and then something interesting happens. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: e- even in movies that take place in a fantastical universe, things were normal for Luke Skywalker until those droids came along. Yeah. He was just living on a farm. He was, Nothing remarkable was happening to him. That was his whole thing. He was bored. With the Marvel Cinematic Universe, we've lost that. There's no way to get that back. No one living in that universe has a normal life anymore.
0: Yeah, so I, I, I think... That might have been one of the mandates to get Madam Web set in two thousand four. Mm, well, I think it's just because they wanted to bring in Ben Parker to try to connect it. But I, again, I didn't. I didn't even put that together. Well, I guess m- I'm just
1: thick. The, the other thing, though, I think is, is kind of interesting about that two thousand four connection. And I and I, I know it's two thousand four because there's a part in the movie where someone on the radio says we're playing the brand new Britney Spears song Toxic, and that came out in yeah. two thousand four. It's definitely two thousand four. 2004 was a different time for superhero movies there's this weird narrative that some people have got in their heads that superhero movies weren't a huge driving force in Hollywood until Marvel came along in 2008 Mm. that's not true. They were on the rise throughout the entire 2000s. Well,
0: in the 90s too, and well, uh, the 70s, going back to well, Superman, that and, was a huge hit. The, the Batman movies were big hits. Okay, they, they but were those, always...
1: but those were exceptions. There wasn't like there were dozens of superhero movies every yeah. year. I, I'm not saying there weren't exceptions. I'm not saying there weren't superhero movies. And that they, is not. What they, I'm, they, talk, I'm they, talking about driving the industry, the okay. whole industry. Yeah. Superman movies were a hit, at least the first two. The Batman movies were hits, but generally speaking when they tried to sort of capitalize on those and a couple of them were successful, but they were trying to capitalize with movies that they they hadn't cracked the code yet or whatever because I, I mean I like The Shadow. It's yeah, was it not was not a hit movie. Uh, the Phantom actually has a lot of people who really like it now. Not a hit movie. I like The Phantom. Uh, the Rocketeer is a classic. I think
0: it's one of the best superhero mm. movies ever made. Really not a hit when it came out. Uh, my, my favorite story, and I just learned this, was uh, surrounding um, Dick Tracy. Yeah. When when uh, Tim Burton's Batman came out, the industry responded with, oh, well, Batman's this like, character from the 30s. Yeah. And uh, Tim Burton made this really kind of stylized, timeless movie that could conceivably be set... As early as the 1940s, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's anywhere from the 40s to the near future. Even you at the know, time, the and, tech yeah. in the
1: movie was kind of retro. Like, yeah, even yeah, yeah. the stuff in the back cave like, was like an older phone than a, it was like, like a brand new Like, by design. They yeah, did yeah, that on purpose. It, and, yeah.
0: um, and so uh, Hollywood said, well, what can we do? What other older characters can we do the, that with? Like, we're yeah. kind of pulp comic strip characters. That's what they wanted to go to. Yeah. It, Not it, the complicated modern superhero lore, but. Which, um, which
1: ironically, is what the kids want I mean that's what I wanted at the time. I was like, Oh God, it's a Batman movie. Put out the X Men. I like, decided like no no all those guys who were running Hollywood, they grew up in a different era. Yeah, so they, the superheroes they thought of were the superheroes from the forties and that's the lesson that they learned is people want more forties superheroes. Yeah
0: so uh so right okay. right after Batman the year after Batman, uh yeah. Warren Beatty came out with Dick Tracy. Which rules which, was, which is a very good movie. Yeah. Uh it's very Batman inflected. Mm-hmm. Um in terms of its design. Danny, Danny Elfman, Elfman has, has a very, very similar, similar score, score. to yeah. that one. Um I've learned that uh, Hollywood actually wanted to make more Dick Tracy movies with yeah. Warren Beatty. And Warren Beatty wasn't interested because he's Warren Beatty's a big star. He wants to do other things. Right. But he refused to give up the rights. Yeah, they're he, his. They're his. He bought them. Yeah. That's his movie. He wrote it. He directed it. He started mm-hmm. in it. I'm, actually, I'm not sure if he wrote it, but he directed it and he starred.
1: He directed it. He's a good director, uh, by the way. Uh,
0: and from what I understand... Uh, if you own the rights to a character, you have to use them after a certain number of years. Or Every once them. in a while. You yeah, know, you got you to uh, show that
1: you're, you're using them in good faith.
0: How is it Warren Beatty still has the Dick Tracy uh, rights? I love as the it, answer as to this question. As it turns out, he will make video calls to Spielberg or to mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese. And in character, as Dick Tracy, wearing the hat and the coat... <laughs> Just have a conversation in character as Dick Tracy. Didn't he do like an interview on Turner Classic Movies not that long ago in
1: character as Dick Tracy just for this reason?
0: And they don't advertise these things. They Uh put them on in the middle of the night on TCM. Yeah. And somehow he's been able to negotiate those as official sequels (laughs) to the Dick Tracy movie made in 1990... So he he's like 85 now, and he still yeah. owns the rights to Dick Tracy, and he's never letting them
1: go. I, the, I love... the I, I, Sometimes it's evil, but man, the loopholes in this industry. Mm. When Mel Brooks made Blazing Saddles, uh, he had some sort of arrangement wherein, like, if the studio didn't do anything with the property, like, the rights would revert back to him. Mm. And I, I could begin the details is wrong. It's been a while since I looked this up. But uh, basically, it's like, what's he, what are they going to do? Make a sequel to Blazing Saddles without me? Come on. And then when he finally came up to them and said, hey, you haven't done anything with Blazing Saddles in a while, and it's like, no, we made a TV series. <laughs> what? We did an entire Blazing Saddles TV series starring Louis Gossett Jr., future Oscar winner. As, as Bart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the sole purpose of never releasing it just so that they could say they kept the rights.
0: And they kept making that show too. I think it was like, was like a they, whole, a whole they, season where I that I think think show. It was a whole
1: fucking season. Of it. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so anyway, Madam uh, so Web. So Madam Webb is a Web Web. whole thing. But, uh, we're, I, I honestly don't remember where we're going with this.
0: Well, he, he, but point with uh, Madam Web is um, there's I, there's been a really there's been a blood in the water attitude toward Madame yeah. Webb where a lot of people are gathering around it, calling it one of the worst things ever. It's not great. No. Uh, but it's certainly watchable. It's really warm and entertainment. It reminded me of the Marvels in that mm. a lot of it is devoted to the power of sorority. Yeah. The uh, the idea of young women hanging out, uh, being powerful and relating to one another and becoming friends is the thing that's going to save the world. Yeah. And that's the theme of the Marvels. That's the theme here. I like that stuff That's actually light And fun And, and positive It's so, not just about Mayhem and action And destruction I remember
1: where I was going with this mm. Because uh Web Was set in 2004 Superhero cinema In 2004 oh, yeah, and yeah. It hadn't They hadn't got it down To a formula yet mm. And there were a lot Of superhero movies That just were A weird cacophony Of tones Like watch Daredevil sometime The movie Mm. It's all over the place It wants to be serious uh, Serious. It wants to be ridiculous It wants to be gritty But it also wants to do Just absolutely absurd nonsense Um, This feels like it was made At that time you Yeah, know, Just a big old cacophony Of ideas and studio notes And good yeah, intentions yeah, the, And, and the, it didn't come together And,
0: and the director's name C.J. Clarkson It's her first feature She's yeah. done a lot of TV A lot and, of really uh,
1: successful TV Yeah.
0: And uh, I, I, I like <clears throat> to think That was a conscious effort On yeah. her part It was like The tone was supposed to feel like a 2004 movie.
1: There's there's one bit in the movie that suggests to me that it is. There is a sequence at the end. It's not a big, exciting sequence. It's just people talking in a room. But it very specifically, visually evokes the live-action Birds of Prey TV series like okay. very specific D- that's D- D- the shape of the window i don't I don't, do. I don't think so the, the 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 window is similar the sunlight streaming through it the way the characters are interacting what they're talking about i feel like someone was a fan of the live action birds of prey series which we mm. came covered and canceled too soon many years ago um and that's i think the tone it's just we know it's ridiculous we're not going to apologize for it we're just gonna go all right here we go and I don't think people know how to handle that anymore. Mm. And I think this is going to be one of those movies. I don't think anyone in the future is going to be saying this is a classic. Oh god, no! But I do think there's going to come a time when people will finally like watch this on home video without like all of the the animosity out there, and they're going to say to themselves, "Well, they was not that bad." Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of enjoyed watching it. It's a with look, you know, if you if you're not expecting it to be amazing, it was a perfectly watchable. You know, B movie. Why are we Why are we getting upset about this? There's nothing. There's nothing in it that's offensive. There's nothing in it that like is painful. No. It's just kind of silly.
0: It's it's. I can it's, live it's, with that. It's silly. Um, no objection to that. I, I, I hesitate even to call it a superhero movie. There's not a lot of superhero stuff. There's a, mm-hmm. vi- a costume villain in it, mm-hmm. but we don't get to see the superhero stuff uh, except in flash forwards. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it, there's not, like, fights or action sequences. It's all, like, chases and running away. Yeah. Um, which is also kind of refreshing, yeah, so it's, it's almost
1: like a Terminator movie. It's just basically yeah, yeah, guy's, yeah. this super villain is after us, like and we're not superheroes. It's,
0: it's a clairvoyance thriller. It's not yeah. really a superhero film or an action picture, and maybe yeah. that's why people are getting... Getting upset about this thing. I don't know. It's fine. It's it's, it's fine. not that. I
1: mean, yeah, I, I don't understand the animosity, but we're gonna we're gonna move on. Um, why don't you tell me about?
0: Because I think the next biggest release that we're yeah. talking about is Bob Marley One Love. Uh, Bob Marley One Love. Yes. Um this is a biography of Bob Marley. That makes sense. Uh, if you don't know who Bob Marley is, shame. <laughs> uh, no, uh, I I grew up near Venice Beach. I know who Bob Marley is. Um, yeah bob marley biggest reggae superstar ever in the history of
1: ever um basically helped mainstream it here in america there's if americans knew Mm. about reggae it was either from the
0: harder they come which was a huge hit movie Mm. or bob marley and 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 uh, jimmy cliff is name name dropped in this movie. like oh jimmy cliff wants to play with you yeah fine i'll play with jimmy cliff um this follows Bob Marley's life. Luckily, it's not, like, from the beginning, like, you know, how he found out he was going to be a reggae musician or how he grew up. We see some flashbacks to when he was a teenager, but we don't get, like, straightforward chronologic... Uh, mm-hmm. chronologic uh, but it's just the last few years of his life. Okay. Um, is it told it's a, is it told in flashback at all, or is it... We, we see it, like I said, okay. we see a few flashbacks to when he's okay. a teenager. But mostly it starts in around
1: 1976.
0: Okay. And, and follows him through... Uh, his cancer diagnosis. Uh, mm. Bob Marley died of cancer. They found uh, this, uh, sore on his toe. Um, wow. In like 1980. And he was dead in 81. Jesus. He was 36 years old. He was his a young toe. guy on Jesus his toe. Christ. And, uh, evidently, um, it's a, it was skin cancer. It was a kind of melanoma, oh, which evidently is, uh, not really widely reported, but it's really, really common because it's common among people with dark skin. Mm. This is racism medicine at work. Um, But yeah, uh, Bob Marley was already a big star when we catch up with him in 1976, when this movie begins. Um, He was preparing to do, you might remember the Smile Jamaica concert when he was still living in Kingston Town, Mm -hmm. uh, when there was a lot of unrest in Jamaica. And there was, uh, the country was like maybe on the brink of a civil war. There's a lot of uh, violence in the streets. And he was going to have a unifying concert. And a couple of days before the concert, some assassins broke in and shot him. Shot him, shot his wife in the back of her head, Jesus. shot a friend of his like three times in his body. They all lived. They all survived.
1: Yeah.
0: And he went on anyway and he played for 90 minutes. He played a 90 minute set. Jesus Christ. So that's the start of the movie. Is like now that's this. a hell of the beginning. Yeah. And, uh, and then it follows and it just sort of meanders from there because Um, there wasn't like a lot of thrust to Bob Marley's life. It wasn't about how he discovered he wanted to write revolutionary music. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't about, you know, this is what I wanted my message to be. Here's what I'm going to do next. It it, it focuses on that one concert for the first, maybe quarter of the movie. Uh, and then a big chunk of it is about the writing, making and recording of the record Exodus, which was maybe his biggest hit. Yeah. Uh, it has uh, that's the one that had Exodus on it, it has I think it's the one with one love, it's the one that has three little birds, it has hmm. you know a lot of the big hits you know. Yeah. Um you probably owned at some point of uh, legend. At least you own Legend. Well Marley and the Wailer's and the Whaler's Legend, it's like his hits record. Uh it was like yeah. suburban standard issue in the early nineties. Yeah. Like every kid had that. Yeah. Uh it's very important to me that record. I, had, I listened to it a lot I when I was a teenager right and on. and I I just those songs I mean, really move me. I feel
1: like a poser because it's a greatest hits album, but still, I, it's, it's a it, greatest it, it hits was, album. Still, yeah, you know, was,
0: like I, I okay, yes, I didn't own um, Natty Dreads, you know, I, I but I own yeah. Legend. Um, that that was the record uh, he made right before Exodus, it was called <gasps> Natty Dreads. Okay, uh, I know. I see. I know a little bit about I, I, Marley I'm Reigns glad you're the movie. Okay, uh, but yeah, uh, and there's this big uh, long portion where he's talking about making it. There's those really insufferable musical biopic sequences where they're kind of spitballing and come up with mm-hmm. a hit song on the spot. Yeah, um, that and that's how he comes up with Exodus. Yeah, for evidently, and I don't know how true this is. This sounds like something that they made up for the movie, but somebody was listening to the soundtrack to Otto Preminger's movie Exodus. Oh, you know, and way, yeah. really big hit. Yeah, you know, bum 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 <coughs> bum 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 bum. Yeah, like seriously, one of the great movie scores. It's yeah, excellent yeah. movie score. Yeah, it's a huge better hit, than the movie. Like. <laughs> oh, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, evidently, he was listening to that, and you know, while sort of hanging out with his his mm-hmm. bandmates, is like, that's great. What's that called? That's Exodus. Okay, yeah, let's let's. Make something up. Let's just start jamming. And they come up with Exodus on the spot. It's like, come on, man. That's how it works. And then he makes it. It's like, here's what we want the cover to look like. It's just the cover. That looks like a Cecil B. DeMille movie. Yeah, that's the point. Okay, yeah. We're going to do it our way, white record man. And they do it their way. And it's a big hit. And then there's the montage. of There is literally a scene of a (laughs) stack of the record Exodus and people grabbing big piles of it off of the shelf. Like out of something, that thing you do. It's so bloody cliched. There's the the, the highlighted uh, hit chart, you know, the camera panning back. Oh, gosh. It's so... uh. They always
1: make, like, a really big deal out of the creation of their hit songs. As though every hit song has, like, a really good story. Nah. Like... Behind maybe, it,
0: but maybe never, it's just like an artist who is working really hard to come yeah. up with something good, and they like, wrote it down. Like, and they every once in a while, it and, it there and, is yeah.
1: a really good story behind it, or there is like a true story behind it, or how just Keith Richards like waking up from like a stupor and realizing that he had left his recorder on, and when he played it, he played a little riff and was like, "I can get no satisfaction." Like, that's a real story. <laughs> that, that's actually kind of interesting in a fear and loathing in Las Vegas kind of way, but like it's not always fascinating. And just once I want to see like one of these musical biopics give like one of these really big backstories but to a song that like people don't care about very much. <laughs> you know? Say,
0: uh, everybody's heard about the bird. <laughs> bird, bird. bird. Uh, even, yeah. that, even
1: that's too big. I'm talking about like like r- r- like uh, if they did like a Smashing Pumpkins movie and it's like the 18th track on Melancholy Infinite Sadness <laughs> that wasn't even a single but we're going to spend 20 minutes on its making. Right. Like the thing about musical biopics, and this fascinates me, I can't think of another genre that was read to filth as hard as musical biopics were by Walk Hard the Dewey Cox <laughs> that managed to not only get keep getting made, but not change anything mm-hmm. and still be successful. Scream changed the slasher genre. Airplane basically killed the airport disaster genre. Walk Hard, well, the Dewey Cox story? Fuck it. Bohemian Rhapsody wins a bunch of Oscars.
0: How? They, they, they just repeated it. It's so and, shameless. And, and here's the thing. Weird, the Al Yankovic story, Great parody of it. is, is also It's also a parody of musical biopics. It yeah. kind of does the Walk Hard thing. A lot mm-hmm. of the kind of types of jokes that you heard in Walk Hard are repeated in yeah. Weird. I like Weird a lot. Actually, I actually haven't yeah. seen Walk Hard. Okay. Um, you, you're familiar but, with a lot of the jokes. Though, absolutely. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've seen maybe all told maybe a third of the movie just mm. via clips. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm familiar with the tone and the kind of humor that's in right. the movie, even though I haven't seen it. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it's, they keep on trying to kill it and it <laughs> won't go away. And I think it's because there's a lot of, you know, really interesting people out there who have really interesting mm-hmm. musical careers. Um, I was really moved by One Love because they play a lot of Bob Marley music in I mean, it. That's, that's... And I like Bob Marley music and I like listening to those songs. I'm singing along and it's... it's the music lovers it's...
1: version of just, oh, hey, Boba Fett showed up on The Mandalorian. Yeah,
0: it's like, okay, yeah. you're going to play Three Little Birds? Okay, I'm there. I'm here <laughs> for this scene. Um, uh, Bob Marley is played adequately. Okay. Okay. Uh, by uh, Kingsley Ben-Adir. Okay. Um he was in um, uh, what was that hit show, Peaky Blinders.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, he was also in that show, The OA, which I didn't see. Okay. Um, yeah, he he's he's all right. Okay. He he tries to do you know the sort of Jamaican patois and kind of gets it. Much better is uh, Lashana Lynch, who plays uh, Rita Marley. Oh, she's so great. She, she's great great. Everything she's so really. good. Uh. Unfortunately, she's also, in that musical biopic cliche kind of a way, relegated to being the woman on the phone. You're like, you're out, you're out working. How come you're never home? That kind of stuff. The, man, yeah. the woman behind the great man. She's one of his backup singers, by the way. Yeah. She's on stage with him. <laughs> uh, something I, uh, I actually looked this up about Bob Marley, um, call me a little bit ignorant on this. Um, uh, he and Rita had three kids together. Uh-huh. Uh, and she had a, a child from a previous marriage, who Bob Marley adopted. Um, one of the one of the children they had together was Ziggy Marley, who went on right. to a reggae career of his own. He also gave an introduction to the movie Ziggy Marley in person, saying, "Yes, I was there on set. I was making sure they were doing." My, he's one of the producers. Like I at, at the sure. screening, you went. At the screen I went to, there. Okay. No, no, he was on screen. Oh, he's on. To he scre- give an on-screen oh. intro, saying, "Thanks for coming to see oh, okay. One Love." I was, about to say, yeah. I was on set. This is respect respectable toward my father right which means oh you're not going to have any warts in this thing are you yeah that's the this thing this is not a warts at all this is just an if we, and all if we ran it by uh, the
1: estate it means there's nothing these the estate yeah. will find objectionable and sometimes that doesn't mean that it's about factual accuracy mm-hmm. either it just yeah. means about it's about printing the legend yeah, the, no yeah. so
0: that this this is, yeah. <laughs> this is recording the legend yeah uh so uh Bob Marley just didn't have those four kids. Evidently, he had at least six other children by other women. Yeah. Uh, they don't of, cover and, that at yeah, all. That, that's and, great content, yeah, that's very common. And evidently, Rita had other kids with other men, which they don't cover at all. And, yeah. and Bob Marley just adopted them all and raised them all. It's these like, this huge amount of kids around that's nice. him. Uh, sadly, you know, life cut short by cancer. Of course,
1: it's, tra- it's tragic. But um,
0: There were some rumors about the way he died because he had a... a they found uh, the first sort of sign of it on his toe. Right. And he had evidently played a soccer game like the day before Uh, and injured his toe and like opened a wound and people thought, oh, it got infected. And that's how he died. uh, So for a long time, that was the rumor that he died from the soccer kick.
1: Yeah. No. I
0: think the movie wanted to correct that. It's like, no, that was cancer. He had melanoma. That was diagnosed. This (laughs) is a matter of record. That's terrible. Uh, So yeah, it. but yeah, like I said, it doesn't have any kind of, through line it's just he did this and then he did this thing and then he wrote these really amazing songs and then at the very last scene of the movie he's around a fire with a bunch of his kids and lashana lynch is there and he starts playing on his acoustic guitar the opening strains to redemption song which uh. will make me cry and cry and cry and cry right. so i'm uh, this is like a Kind of a below average film. And I'm weeping when he starts singing a redemption song because it's a fucking redemption song.
1: You know, the, the, the older you get, the more shit you go through, yeah. the more there are just certain things that it, it doesn't take as much to bring you in emotionally mm. just because you've been there. Yeah. You know, like just yeah, exactly. anything to do with like your parents or anything like that. Mm. It's like, oh, dad stuff. Like, oh, God, now I'm
0: sad. Well, um, And some of it is nostalgia. Sure. I, I remember picking up. Um, Uh, Bob Dylan's greatest hits on cassette out of a a Tower Records bin and I brought it home just to listen to it with my mom when we played Scrabble. I wasn't super familiar with Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be so I bought the record. It cost me $4. Uh, And I listened to it with my mom and she cried. Yeah. Because those were her songs. Yeah. My mom was born in 1950. She, you know, what i think would open up with the times there are changing and she started yeah. like humming along and started singing and she just said i i need to stop need, just yeah. crying and crying listening to the times there are changing yeah i get it i yeah. get it you know and you, the older you get the harder those things hit and yeah. redemption and, song is one of those things for me and so. if you're
1: listening to this and you don't know what that's like mm-hmm. you will uh, you will it, you'll, it'll you'll have, you, understand it might not be music it might be something totally mm-hmm. unexpected you might all of a sudden be like Playing like oh no, those kids in that movie are playing Sonic Frontiers. Oh God, I remember yeah. playing that when I was a lad. <laughs> It'll get you. Um, all right, fair enough. Um, well, let's let's move on. Let's. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, this movie, Suncoast, uh, which uh, was at Sundance and then promptly showed up on Hulu. And I don't know how I got this into my head, but for some reason, I assumed it was about Suncoast Video. Like, maybe a bunch of kids working at Suncoast Video. <laughs> That's
0: another one of those company yeah. biopics. We had so many yeah. of those last year. I don't know, just yeah.
1: maybe it was, like, just set at one. Like, Suncoast Video was a video store chain. They were frequently in malls. Uh, and they just were full of videos. And unlike most of, like, the video stores at the time, they weren't a rental place. You bought them. And they also had posters and mm. other sorts of movie-related it was It was a really great place to hang out if you loved movies. And I bought a lot of my movies there. Uh, and, yeah, and of course they're gone now. Nope, that's not what this is about at all. This is a coming-of-age story, uh, written and directed by Laura Chin. Uh, it stars Nico Parker as a teenager whose mother, played by Laura Linney, is just absolutely at the end of a rope because her son, Nico Parker's, uh, brother, uh, is... He's, he's enduring a serious illness and he is uh, approaching a vegetative state and the end is nigh and he's only a teenager absolutely harrowing for the mother and and for, for Nico Barker's character as well but whereas her mother has taken this family tragedy uh, and just she just dove right into it hmm. and She doesn't have anything else in her life. It's just this and work and her son. Meanwhile, her daughter is like in senior year of high school and her childhood is slipping away because her mother has to lean on her so hard to help take care of her brother. She loves her brother. She is also a child who wants to have a childhood and Mm -hmm. friends and do things and have experiences and not miss out on all of this. And she has not been afforded that opportunity. So when they are uh the, the the beginning of the movie they they move their brother into a facility it's called Suncoast uh all of a sudden mom is spending all of her time uh at this facility and the daughter has to spend a lot of time alone uh and uh she starts having secret parties at her house and like all the cool kids. Like I actually really like the cool kids in this movie. There's this bit where like, Oh, these are the cool kids and they don't really know who she is, even though she's been going to school with them for forever. Um, and now that she's like got a house where she's like unsupervised, she's now everybody's best friend. Uh, you'd think you'd know where that's going. Like, Oh, like as soon as the bubble bursts, they're going to turn on her. All the popular kids are total assholes. Uh, but actually no, they're very good friends. Okay. <laughs> it's actually like when the when when the when the shit hits the fan and like, oh god, I need to go to the hospital right now, they drop all of their superficial bullshit. They are there for her. It's actually kinda sweet and refreshing change of pace to have that kind of characterization. Um, that's really sweet. Um, meanwhile, uh, at this facility. It's also where Terry Shivo is being held. Oh gosh. Okay. Terry Schiavo is if you're young, you might not know who we're talking about, but it was the, a pretty big scandal. Oh, I it, guess that was like 2000. It was if you're young, you might you, yeah, it might be slightly before your time, George, or you been too w. young Mission to be fully aware.
0: Administration, of it. yeah,
1: yeah um, But basically, she was in a vegetative state, uh, and her I think it was her husband wanted and thought she would want uh, to be taken off of life support, and I believe it was her family. I could be getting the details of this wrong. I believe it was her family who said. No, all life is precious. We we can't take her off life support. Mm. And uh, everyone had an opinion on this. There were protesters. There were, th- there were bomb threats. Ter- like, Terry Schiavo would not survive without the machine. Yes, that's it. That was no. the whole thing. And, and again, she was not going to get better.
0: Mm.
1: That was never... She was not conscious. Was, she, yeah. her, her,
0: her brain was dead. Yeah. She was, her body was being kept yeah. alive by a machine So the, and, and it's a, and it's an ethical question And it's yeah, something
1: like, that you can have a co- deep conversation about And there are people who have Like living wills Where they say they, they would in that situation Want to be kept alive That would be their choice And vice versa And you can totally have those opinions And it was a somewhat complicated case As my understanding It wasn't 100% clear Like she definitely would have wanted that And so it was all very Very controversial at the time and her brother is at the same facility, and so they're constantly walking past all these protesters. And one of the protesters is played by Woody Harrelson. Okay. And it, it's another interesting sort of... You, you would think, in a movie like this, that character would be portrayed somewhat superficially. Uh, he's actually an interesting guy who just feels very, very strongly his wife died and he in that position would have wanted to keep her alive and he thinks that that's the moral thing to do and he's here to support that but whether you agree with him or disagree with him he keeps getting distracted by this teenager who's just going through hell nobody else is noticing her and he'll just like take her out for fish and chips and (laughs) just like and to watch a football game because like you need a break Uh and it's actually very sweet he's basically playing Woody Harrelson but it, it works it's good um it, it's not a groundbreaking movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I think for the most part, you could argue that incorporating Terry shivo is, uh, you know, maybe a little ham-fisted in terms of, like, supporting the movie's mm. themes, but I think it's also... To, gives you like, a, bit, a
0: bit of a cultural fulcrum. Yeah. It gives you
1: a cultural fulcrum, gives you maybe a bit of context, because this is not a situation that everybody has experience in. Mm. Uh, and a lot of people formed very strong opinions about the Terry Shivo case, and... Depending on what perspective you have, you might meet a character in this movie who has a different perspective, who is treated in a very human way. And I think that's kind of sweet. Laura Lenny's really great in it. The acting's really, really good. I ugly cried, I think, twice. Uh-huh. Uh, I've, been, I've been going through a lot, man. Um, but um, I, it's, a, it's a sweet coming-of-age melodrama, and I liked it quite a bit. Uh, it is a very, very sad film. It's full of people who are messy, doing messy things, making decisions they might regret uh but ultimately it's very kind-hearted and i really liked it but so i would recommend excellent. it it uh, sounds very sweet yeah um okay and then what do we got here uh, oh uh, lisa frankenstein I, Again, it, I saw lisa frankenstein it, i'm mad because i wanted to see this mm. and then uh i had to stay home and isolate because of you know um, COVID exposure i'm fine i ended up not getting it but had to be responsible couldn't go to a crowded movie yeah. theater. So uh, I'll up with it eventually. But you saw it. Tell me all about it. Uh,
0: Lisa Frankenstein is uh, first film directed by Zelda Williams. Okay. Zelda Williams, who is Robin Williams' daughter. Oh, okay. Uh, and yes, she was named after the legend of Zelda because apparently oh. Robin Williams was a huge like video game nerd. I was hoping it was Zelda Rubenstein. Sadly, no. Okay. Uh, although... Uh, and it's uh, written by Diablo Cody. Yes. Who wrote uh, the screenplay for Juno? The screenplay for uh, uh, young adult. Tully. Just, uh, yeah. Tully I didn't see I like um, Tully a lot actually. Wrote the screenplay for Jennifer's Body which yes. which was one of those movies that was ignored when it came out. Oh uh, no, it wasn't uh, ignored. People
1: just were, didn't like it. People weren't oh, mean get, to it.
0: Yeah. 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 Get, I don't remember reading like negative reviews. Oh, I I, reviews, I really. definitely saw people um, saying
1: this sucks. What is this uh, crap? It was, it was all very it, it, there was an undercurrent of misogyny, whether um, or not people were admitting it. It was it was pretty dismissive, man. and the, in, turn, in the years that came, it's been considered kind of a modern
0: classic. It's it's, it's been yeah, yeah it, it was sort of people sort of found it, people sort of vaunted it. Uh, I think it's been over rescued at this point. It's like eh, let well, it's, it's, it's like the same the the same crowd who says no scream 2 is better than scream ah, hang on there right, Hoss. <laughs> let's back off a little bit. but halloween but, 3 is not better than halloween no no but i do uh, think
1: it's a, it's a genuinely very good horror comedy it's a very good horror and, comedy. And it, and it deserves then, it to be credited as such so um, to have another
0: movie from the same
1: writer is potentially very yeah, exciting
0: uh, tell me about it so uh this one leans way harder into sort of the bleak comedy. In fact, this feels like the kind of movie they don't really make anymore. In how cynical it is, hmm. um, they used to make movies uh, when, when I was growing up. I remember seeing a lot of movies uh, in like the eighties and nineties about sort of like punkers or outsiders or grunge rockers, mm. uh, or, or just you know the Adams family, just weirdos. Mm who were totally happy to be on the outside. Yeah. It wasn't about fighting mainstream acceptance. It was about destroying the mainstream. Right. Um, and then throughout the, like, the millennial era, I suppose, mm. uh, the last 20 years of movies, uh, the message has changed. It's not about enjoying being on the outside. It's about fighting your way in and making sure mm. the mainstream accepts you. It's about warmth and acceptance. Mm. Uh, it's just sort of a general cultural observation about the way the arts have evolved.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Here we are again, back with The Outsiders. This is Adam's family, writ large, kind of a comedy. It's that set, sounds good. It's set in 1989. Yeah. Uh, it stars a character named... Uh, her name is Lisa Swallows. Oh. Uh-huh. I get it. And she's a creepy, Poe reading goth kid at her local high school. There's a... a Cemetery nearby And she does graveyard You know Gravestone rubbings And hangs them on her wall And I remember and that she's, from Sleepwalkers do they, do they do that? Do gravestone and rubbings And Yeah that was though? this whole thing It's like um, uh, I've still, It's been a while it's, Since it, Sleepwalkers It's
1: it, the Stephen King movie He wrote the screenplay It it's not based on a book uh, And it's about cat people Who are like Preying on like mm. young girls and like like teenagers and I think it was Machin Amick from Twin Peaks. And there's this whole subplot where it's like, oh yeah, you're into grave ru- uh g- grave rubbings too. So am I. All the kids are into it. As if it's a normal hobby <laughs> for a teen. Not that it's mm. un you know not that it's wrong or anything like that. But they just sort of play it off
0: as like, oh yeah, grave rubbings. You yeah, know, like like everyone does. <laughs> what? But. uh, <laughs> Her backstory is, uh, her mother was murdered in front of her just recently, and her father quickly remarried, so she has an evil stepmother, played by Carla Cucino, and she has sort of, a an insufferable stepsister, uh, whose name is, uh, Taffy. She's played by an actress named Liza Soberano. Okay. Um, Lisa's played by Catherine Newton, who you've probably seen around. She's kind Mm -hmm. of an upcoming ingenue. Yeah. And, uh... She goes to a party, she is accidentally drugged. Somebody says, here try this beer, there's some hallucinogens in it. Uh, she uh, begins to realize mm, she's kind of lovelorn. Mm. She's a little bit uh, a little little, bit, lonely, little, little lonely uh, being on the outside. Can't find her soulmate, but she does have a crush on the guy who edits the school newspaper. He's kind of this cool punker guy in a leather yeah. jacket and he's super handsome. And he's already dating, but he's already dating another goth girl. So yeah, her, her, her chances are slim. And while she, when she falls asleep that night, lightning strikes one of the graves that she likes hanging around in and resurrects the corpse that has been buried underneath. Okay. And he's, uh, so it's magic, not science. It's magic, not science. Although... Because he died in the like the Victorian era, but now he's back and he's like he's not a skeleton. He's yeah, he's, sort he's sort a skeleton. Of, he's yeah. missing an ear. Uh, his hand is written off. It has rotted off. Okay. Uh, and and he doesn't speak. He's played by Cole Sprouse. Great performance oh. as this silent zombie guy. Mm. And he kind of grunts around. He, he's also kind of lovelorn when he cries, his tears smell really bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a plot point. And of course, the only thing she can, th- she can think to do is E.T. him, hide him in the closet. Don't right. tell, don't tell my parents you're in here. Right. And, uh, Not a lot of endgame to that plan, but you know. And of course, and this is a very silly movie. So she, the zombie breaks into her house. She's like, oh, you're the guy I buried in the grave I hang around. That's kind of cool. Hide in my closet. And then the morning she opens the closet. He's still there. And he throws an outfit at her. Oh, I can't wear this. You gotta wear that. She puts it on and she becomes more popular at school. That's good. Yeah, it's kind of cute. cute. uh, It's got good taste. But Carla Cucino, the evil stepmother, is like so horribly mean that uh, she ends up like... staying after, staying home from work just so she can berate her new stepdaughter and I hate everything about you and you're so terrible and she's just so shrill and terrible in this like 1989 yuppie kind of a way and uh, the zombie breaks out out of the closet and murders her. Uh. And they, they start like cutting her up and burying her body and it's about, you know, how long is this killing spree gonna go on? Right. Uh, he needs replacement body parts. Where are they gonna get those? Uh. This is where the Frankenstein part comes in. Got it. Uh, and... It it turns out that she doesn't like send up like a kite with a key on it or have a lightning rod. Luckily, they have a malfunctioning tanning booth to electrocute them.
1: <laughs> it's all very it, cute. This, this is a very wacky very movie. Okay.
0: Um, it also feels like they didn't have a lot of budget and they're still figuring it out as they go. If you've gone, mm. if you go back and you watch a lot of these old B movies. Um, you might get the impression from conversations about B movies or maybe some of the neo grindhouse films that are meant to emulate their style mm. that these movies are wild and full of incident. They're boring. And there's no. a lot of slow shit in these older movies. It's usually like uh, a
1: lot of boring stuff because that's the cheaper stuff to film. And yeah. then there's like a couple of moments that are really, really wild that are like become legendary. Mm. So you watch it just to see. This murder that one kill, or this or, yeah, one car explosion or something, because that's all the money they had. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that bit. Everything there, else that to be talking about. There in the are
0: rooms. some really horrible B movies that have that are just gold all the way through. Yeah. yeah. I watch something like Samurai Cop. You know, just so strange. Mm-hmm. It's so much so much strange dialogue in that movie.
1: Yeah.
0: It's fun all the way through. A lot of those old movies, uh, my, my wife has a really wonderful uh, theory that a movie's quality is inversely proportional to the number of parking scenes there are. Right. If, there's, if they show this, the car driving down the street, pulling into a driveway, someone gets out and walks up to a door, hmm. you didn't need to see any of that. Now that's the movie uh, running short. The movie's running short, the filmmakers just need to pad it out somehow, so they spend a lot of time establishing this guy, mm-hmm. driving up to the house. It
1: can also be used if you... Uh, uh... Forgot to establish a plot point Or you cut a scene that establishes a plot point You, you just have like have you some show ADR, You like show some the car driving milk. up Oh it's a good thing we're here at my mother's house She has our potato salad recipe yeah. Like oh, you just dump it over yeah. Cover a lot uh, yeah. there, there, there was that, a great joke of that in Orgasmo Where oh, right. they, I forget the exact way it plays out But they go they go, like, uh, Oh thanks for coming to my house tonight There's something I want to show you They get out of the car Did you just say something?
0: No <laughs> <laughs> That's really cute. Yeah. Uh, And there's not padding in Lisa Frankenstein, but it feels really slackly paced. Mm. Like, just from scene to scene. You'd expect something like this to have a lot more wild energy to it. You know, trying to put the camera in interesting places. It's just a lot of flat shots. A lot of things just sort of play out uh, in, Mm. in these really kind of slow, casual ways. It doesn't detract from the humor and the wild scenario, and I do love that it actually kind of went for it. There's a lot of, like violence and sex that you wouldn't see in a movie maybe from like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate all that. It's wild fun. Uh, yeah. It's it's really, really enjoyable. Uh, it. It. I've been seeing all kinds of horrible reviews from it. I'm not sure why people are
1: reacting so constantly. Well, I'm,
0: I'm guessing it's another one of those things where, oh no, it, it's essentially about a teenage girl who kills people. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who don't like that kind of humor. They don't like that kind of bleak, violent humor. I happen to like that kind of bleak violent humor. So I'm on the wavelength of something like Lisa Frankenstein. There's,
1: there's an unfortunate thing that happens with, I think, horror movies in particular. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to become a critic. Where people who love horror movies uh, are a big audience, actually. Like, think about how many streaming services out there that cater to one specific genre mm. that are successful. Not many. And they're pretty much all horror. <laughs> yeah. case, they're very dedicated. They're very... I don't want to say forgiving. They're very understanding. They want to get on the wavelength of a movie. They're eager. Which is why most horror movies, even if they're badly received when they come out, usually get some sort of reappraisal. Yeah. Maybe they're not called a
0: classic, but there's usually eventually someone defending yeah. it prominently well, in a
1: publication, you
0: know? I suppose so, and it takes a long time for those things to uh, find a really large audience. Well, that's the thing. The large audience they, is the tricky part. Yeah, if, if they come out of the, the gate mm-hmm. with a huge audience, it's it's uncommon for a horror movie to do that. No, it's, like, uh, really like, huge? You, you yeah, get, like, a, a conjuring and an yeah. it here and there, of course, but yeah. uh, Usually they just... if, even lower budget ones, like Paranormal Activity, these things do come along. They do. But the thing is, is
1: that these when a horror movie comes out into the mainstream and it's in any way weird, mm. a lot of people who are much have much more mainstream tastes, and not just in like the general audiences, but critics are reviewing those movies when they normally wouldn't seek them out. Mm. They're not necessarily who that movie was made for, and they're not necessarily gonna get it. And I've seen this many times from critics I even respect. Just it's not their genre. It's not the thing that they fully become an expert in yeah uh so what happens is these movies get this really shitty represent uh uh uh, reputation when they first come out and a lot of movies that are now considered like kind of classic or cult classic horror movies still have rotten rotten tomato scores because of this but after that initial release the people who aren't interested in it they just stop talking about it and now the only people who are talking about it are people who are interested and they liked it and they're going to keep on talking about yeah, it. And, so and so everything they hear is going to be positive. So it, after a the while, reputation yeah. starts growing, and then once the reputation grows enough that people who are casual fans of movies have heard not that it's bad, but that it's good, then it starts becoming mainstream. This is something it happened to Jennifer's body.
0: It mm-hmm. happened to all kinds of movies, and, and and it's going to happen to Lisa Frankenstein. I, I, it, Lisa it sounds Frankenstein like probably is, yeah, oh. is, 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 is it's a bit of an odd duck. I mm-hmm. think uh, there's going to be a lot of people who latch into that. Um, I appreciate that this is a movie about 80s nostalgia sort of about the vapidness and the style of the movies that came out at the time rather mm. than just the superficial style and Needle drops yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we don't get a lot of that oh, that's good. Uh, I mean there's they put Carla cugino in a, a neon workout outfit you know yeah, that kind of stuff but
1: can avoid it entirely but as they as well as
0: also man. have if you remember those sort of like <clears throat> smoky pearl colored seashell lamps yeah. And, you know, ivory carpets, like the kinds yeah. of trappings of the 1980s that don't get looked at too often because it's ugly. I, I, <laughs> and I love because I grew up during that era. I,
1: I love that there are certain looks you only ever see, like, in period movies anymore. Mm. Like, like movies where, like, the interior of someone's house is mostly brown. That's the 70s. That's the 70s, yeah. Uh, there was a bit in uh, early on in Madame Webb where she's driving her, uh, you know, emergency ambulance down the street. (laughs) And she drives very prominently past a blockbuster, which has just become code for turn of the century. Yeah. yeah. Nineties, early two thousands. Only time you would have seen that. It's boomed. There you go. Um, that's cool. Um, speaking of horror movies, I saw a new movie on shutter shutter. And I think we mention this just about every time we review a shutter movie, a shutter original, if you will. Uh, it's a streaming horror service. They dedicate it almost entirely to horror movies or horror adjacent movies, horror comedy, sci-fi horror movies, action, maybe mm. really violent action movies sometimes. A
0: lot of documentaries as well. A
1: lot of documentaries, but documentaries about the genre related elements. And they put out something new every week. Sometimes it's a new episode of uh like their, a, their
0: creep show program
1: or Yeah, or something that's it's uh, uh like that drive in thing where they do a double feature and they oh, do, yeah, like Joe, Joe Bob Briggs Joe Bob yeah. Briggs, yeah. Uh, but they do a lot of original movies where they acquire movies at festivals or whatever, and sometimes they get a theatrical release, sometimes they only show up on Shutter, But boom, this is the new thing on Shutter. And the thing with Shutter is that it's very curated, and the people who run it mostly have pretty good taste. Like They've had some duds, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I would argue that if it's debuting on Shutter, it's probably worth checking out. Skeletons
0: in the closet isn't one of those. <laughs> they're not all winners. They're not all winners. And boy, they, is this not a winner at, at all. They they tend to and you know again to repeat ourselves whenever we talk about Shutter, yeah. they tend to curate very carefully. Yeah, uh, they're interested in only selling not necessarily quality, yeah. but they know their audience. They, they know what what horror what fans are looking us, for. They know what we're interested they, in. Uh, here they get a lot of horror films uh, internationally. like yeah. from, here's a horror film from. Maybe you've never seen a movie from this country before. Here's a horror yeah. movie from this country. Yeah. Um, so, even if they're not always necessarily great movies, there's at least an uh, angle. There's some, yeah. something kind of interesting about them. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, this movie is called Skeletons in a Closet. Skeletons it's in the Closet, excuse me. All right. Uh, and I love that the title is... that Someone Googles Skeletons in the Closet to find out more about the expression in this movie, which is just a hilarious thing to Google. Uh, It stars Terrence Howard and Cuba Gooding Jr. and Udo Kier. Uh, Oh, I
0: um, I, mean, he'll show up to a post uh, office. Yes, that's
1: fine. Um, But uh, it opens with Terrence Howard and his wife and their daughter. They live in a really nice house, and he's got a good job. and And they're talking about how they don't have any money and they can't afford to get a puppy. And I'm like you live in a really nice house. I'm not buying this no puppy <laughs> angle. This feels like you're just trying to tell not get a puppy for your kid and you want to let him down easy. But no, they they mean it. He's, he's going up to his boss to try to get a promotion. He feels like he's invaluable to the company. And he goes up to his boss and his boss says, oh, I was calling you in to say you're fired. And he's like, oh. I'm like, yeah, yeah, get out. And he's like, "Oh shit! Okay, so he's having a bad day, and then it gets worse because it turns out their daughter, who had previously had brain cancer, it's come back, and Oops. she's like eight. Like that, that this is just absolutely horrible. And they don't have the money that they need for the treatment. He just lost his job. They're absolutely miserable. They're just gonna. He, he's at the end of his rope. What am I gonna do? I have to do something to raise." I think it's like fifty thousand dollars right. in order to to pay for my daughter's operation, and I'm like sell the house. No one suggests that, by the way. Um, he goes to his his brother, okay, played by Cuba Gooding Jr. And Cuba Gooding Jr. says, "Oh, I know a guy. I can I, I, I know a guy. I can help you find a guy. He'll well, give, le- me the, le- he'll give me you the he'll give you the money. Let me guess." it's shady it's a little shady okay he's he's like yeah he'll get you he'll, he'll give you the money no sweat and uh turns out i was like oh okay so he goes to this guy he's in the back of a of a restaurant there's goons and um uh, he says oh, i need fifty thousand dollars for my dog's operation the guy's like i don't really do that hmm. uh, and he's like well I, I i need it and the guy's like okay well what do you got as uh collateral and he's like I don't know, I got my car. Your car isn't worth $50,000. If you don't pay me back in a month, I kill your wife and kid. And Terrence Howard's like, what? Actually, here's the thing. He's only kind of vague about that. It isn't until the next day that Cuba Gooding Jr. mentions that. And Terrence Howard's like, you didn't mention that? (laughs) You didn't bring this up. How did you how did you manage to not bring this up at all? And I'm like, how have you never seen a movie? Also the it's a lone how, shark and the creepy guy in the back of I the, the, it's nothing but red flags. And
0: is it a horror movie cuz this just sounds like a mob
1: thriller. We're getting there. We're all getting right. there. It's it's and honestly this subplot goes nowhere. But they spent so <laughs> much time on it.
0: They spent so much time on it. So what's the actual plot of the movie? It's just then?
1: there to add some extra like, random tension. Um, The the real plot of the movie is the dude's wife. Uh, she's being haunted by a ghost mom. And it's very La Llorona-esque without actually being La Llorona.
0: A ghost mom. Yeah,
1: like a ghostly woman. is like... Right. And it's embarrassing. Im- embarrassingly amateurish visual effects like just video toaster bad like really really not good uh and it's following him around and after they borrow the money from the mob risking his wife and daughter's life in the process they go to uh a uh, uh like a new age shop to All get right. like their their tarot cards read and they're just like, "Oh, well if you if you want if you're making bad choices, I could I could hook you up with Udo Kier, he's magic." And they're like, "Yeah, let's do that." And so he goes, he brings his wife to Udo Kier and Udo Kier is like, "Okay, write down your wish. I'll put it in this blood and then um you'll regret this." And they're like, "Oh, okay, that's great as long as our daughter is alive." And he's like, yeah, "Maybe." And so <laughs> It all goes really, really bad. The daughter gets better, but maybe the reason why the wife is haunted is because she had a past where someone made a similar deal with the devil in order to protect her when she was young. And none of it makes sense. Mm. None of it is convincing. None of it is scary. None of it is dramatic. (sighs) None of it is funny. None of it feels relatable and human. The movie.
0: <laughs> there yeah. you go. That's the movie you know, for it's, you. It's weirdly it's kind of inert. Sad how, it's kind of sad how many of those I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> these, uh, Especially the ones with big stars. Like You can yeah. get really talented Terrence, actors in these things and they do nothing with Terrence the Terrence
1: Howard, I mean, the Cuba Gooding Jr. star has mm. fallen for a variety of reasons, but Terrence Howard is not an, is not not a name. Mm. And he's even credited with like co-writing this. Oh, gosh, okay. Yeah, so maybe that's that el- that star element might be the reason why Shudder like, gravitated towards it. But when people say things like, Madam Web is the worst movie I've ever seen, I'm like, it's not even in the bottom five I've seen this year, and we're six weeks into it. Please watch more movies. I'm just not convinced that that's actually a meaningful statement when I know... There's so many worse, just just less competent movies out there. I'm I'm not convinced you're looking for bad movies. I'm not convinced you actually understand the yeah, full
0: context a, of what you're saying. This has been an issue I've had with um like the Razzies. I mean, yeah. the Razzies are, are the Razzies are Always low hanging. Th- th- it's you know, al- it's always been, and it, yeah. in fact, it was created as kind of a a gag. Yeah, it was a joke. I, th- I think they can um, take
1: the piss out of. I think uh, the,
0: the inventor of the Razzies uh, made, made the grave error of watching Xanadu and Can't Stop the Music back-to-back in the same yeah. day. It's like, okay, I have an idea now. And uh, <laughs> it was in 1980. And uh, and the joke was he had a bunch of friends over to watch the Oscar telecast at his home. And then he said, okay, now that that's over, I'm going to give out the awards for the worst of the year. And I think yeah. it's like, and then Xanadu was a piece of crap. It's like, okay, sure. fine. yeah, And, and I'm not going to rush to Xanadu's defense. And there are uh, things I like about it. I think the soundtrack is good. Uh, some of the songs are pretty good. Yeah. And I like the Don booth sequence. Don Bluth sequence is great. The movie is shit. It's not a good film.
1: <laughs> okay. It's a... not a good film. There's stuff I like in it. It is not a good film. Yeah. I love Can't Stop the Music,
0: though. Yeah, Can't Stop the Music is, is... wonderfully is camp. It's a, a, a s- strangely strong movie. Yeah. It's, uh, it's legit. I mean, it's it's absolute nonsense. It's a music
1: biopic, but it's a music biopic of the village people. But of but the it's characters of their, they play. Yeah, but yeah. of their, like, persona, which is just absolutely nonsense. Mm. It's wonderfully ridiculous and and kind of enjoyably self-aware mm. um, I it, it deserves a re-evaluation I like that one a lot mm. it's silly but it's good um
0: but I uh... These are just people who are getting together to sort of make fun of bad movies. They want to find what what's the least popular. What can yeah. we mock the most? Well, let's, they're let's really mean-spirited. While Hollywood and, uh, is in the
1: middle of celebrating itself, let's point out the most obvious flaws. Yeah. Just to take them down a peg, because they're putting themselves which, on a pedestal.
0: Which, okay, I'm it, okay with that. On, uh, on that uh, level, I'm, I can appreciate yeah. it, yeah. yeah. But uh, but I don't like the way they go about it. And no, it's so it's, and, it and they don't... And here's my issue... They don't dig. Yeah. They don't try.
1: They very to rarely find search the for the really do. Well yeah.
0: and you could say the same thing about the Oscars. They don't really dig to find the best. They usually True. go for just the big commercial mainstream stuff. It, it often happens. same with the Razzies. Yeah. Um
1: it's, the, a, the it's Razzies, a popularity contest, yeah. really. Even well, even even when it's unpopular, it's what's the most popular unpopular yeah, thing. What, what's hippest
0: yeah. to dig on? Yeah. I, I want to rescue the Razzies yeah. by getting assholes like us. Mm-hmm. Real critics who have done the homework and who will dig to find what actually is the worst of the year. Well, and and actually, and to do one of two things,
1: I think the Mm. only way you can do it is either to celebrate the bad movies. Yeah. Or to actually, because there's this whole thing about, oh, you know, film criticism shouldn't be personal. And it shouldn't. But some movies feel personal. <laughs> yeah, some movies hurt you real, real bad. You, you, you pick your battles if you are going to do something like that. But I, I think it's a tightrope walk. I don't know if that's the best mm. course of action anymore. But uh, in any case, skeletons in the closet. I want to say this is like enjoyably not good. Uh-huh. It isn't. It's just legitimate. If you it, and I, I want to recommend you watch it under one condition. If you want to reset your standards because a lot of the movies that people will call like really, really bad are actually pretty polished. Mm. you know they're studio crap, it is full of you know, bad notes and they're not very convincing or whatever like that, but they're still like a real movie <laughs> like watch a movie like Skeletons in the Closet, just to remind yourself that like no what a lot of people think is bad is actually mediocre, yeah. We've lost sight of mediocrity. We think mediocrity is the worst thing ever, not realizing that it's
0: fine. That's the definition of it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... it's not it, a lot of energy it. It's, it's not it. very it's, good, yeah. but
1: it's it's not painful. I've seen painful. If watching Madam Webb is painful to you, I envy you the number of amazing movies you have apparently watched. Because apparently you haven't seen Skeletons in the Closet and a lot of other bad movies. Mm. Um, so that's where I'll end that. Anyway, that is it for Critically Acclaimed. It is time to review some movies on the critically acclaimed scale. The scale works thusly. We rate movies on a scale of C- to C+, in which a C is average, just like if you were getting graded. C- is above average, anything above average. Anything that we just generally recommend, whether Mm. we just like it or we think it's amazing. And C- is anything below average, whether we just don't particularly care for it or we think it's really, really bad. And on that note, yeah, Skeletons in the Closet is a C-. Mm. Not even ironically can I appreciate it. Like, it's a genuinely not well-made movie. Yeah, boo. It's a real bummer. Uh, Lisa Frankenstein.
0: Lisa Frankenstein is a C+. That's good. I I, I dug fair. it. It's, like I said, it's, it's a bit shabby, mm-hmm. but I think that helps in a weird way. I right. think it kind of adds to its charm a little bit. It could have been really wild. could have been really energetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Zelda Williams will tighten up her filmmaking style a little well, bit. But, first movie. Yeah, there you go. But, great
1: uh suncoast
0: um suncoast is it's it's a low c plus okay
1: uh, i think it is a bit uh uh maudlin at times and not necessarily in, in the best way but ultimately i think it's hard is in the right place and i do feel as though when it connects to something uh real it connects real hard okay so uh kudos very nice. uh, and uh and let's uh, the other thing
0: bob marley one bob love bob marley one love yes. bob marley one love um it's late i'm tired it's uh, it's a it's a c it's okay. almost a c minus it's a okay. low c just because it it's nothing it's In like you've, seen, you've, it's, yeah, you've yeah you've seen this movie before um there's not even a lot of like big moments to really get you through. The music gets you through, and you know the music. You just listen to the music. Oh, um, I even didn't even mention. Um, Lashana Lynch actually has like the one big speech in the oh. movie where she pulls uh, Bob Marley out of a party. He's partying with like fancy people in France. Mm-hmm. It's like he's Bob Marley. Like, this is supposed to be about the music, man. So she actually <laughs> pulls him out into the street and says, "You're like." This close to selling out, and Bob Marley like, "Oh shit, yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm at like a fancy ball bar, uh, like party in Paris, yeah. Let me let me go back to Jamaica and like reconnect <laughs> and, and lost be, myself, yeah. be Bob Marley. That's yeah. cool. So yeah, that's like the one moment. So she's really good, but yeah, she's not enough to really save the movie. Yeah, it's just sort of you know, blah. Uh,
1: and lastly, uh, Madame Web. It's mm. it's got a lot of really obvious flaws. None of them make the movie not enjoyable. It's a perfectly like amusing matinee, ridiculous superhero type movie. I'm giving it a C.
0: Uh, I'm giving it a high C, in fact. I'm yeah. uh, not a C plus. It's yeah. it's not not That's let's the, not go nuts the, here. I don't want to oversell to, it. But we've
1: uh, been criticizing hyperbole a lot on this show, and maybe yeah. we shouldn't end on that yeah, now. It a, yeah. it's,
0: it, I think it's a high C. I think it's totally enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, I, I like some of the messages in it. I like the. V- the vibe like the tone of the movie yeah. is really nice is the plot ridiculous yes it is is the premise ridiculous yeah is the the script even that great not really mm-hmm. uh it, it could have gone through a couple more or a couple fewer drafts <laughs> probably I think. Fewer yeah, it's probably overworked yeah. a little bit yeah uh but it doesn't hurt the movie in a way that made me dislike it yeah all right well that is it for
1: critically acclaimed uh, as i mentioned already uh, we will be back in a few days to review all of the Oscar-nominated short films, 15 total, uh, which don't often uh, uh, don't get enough love, we feel, so yeah. we try to dedicate an episode to them every year. Uh, very excited about that, and other things as well. Uh, we, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, where if you want to help support the show you can. And even for $1 a month, you get all of our new episodes ad-free, you get Thank Godzilla It's Friday, one week early, and there's also a back catalog of a bunch of episodes of our various uh, Patreon-exclusive shows as well. But at higher tiers, you get other, more ambitious, long-running shows and backlogs about stuff like Star Trek and every Mm -hmm. movie ever nominated for Best Picture. Um, A huge shout-out to all of our patrons. Thank you. We can't do this without you. We can barely live. Um... Also, if you want to talk about anything we discussed in this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net.
0: Whitney, what is your PO Box? Send us a physical letter to the Critically Acclaimed Network, PO Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064.
1: Yes, uh, we're on social media at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. At, at Whitney Seibold. And never forget, everyone is a critic.
0: I want to go to the Midnight Show. I'm sorry, what?